Welcome back to Young Smart Money, show number 29 with me, your host, Apple Kreider, the show where we bring on people who are doing cool stuff, either financially or entrepreneurially, in order to get their best tips, tricks, and practices, and to hear about their journey along the way. Today, we have a very special guest. This is kind of a, a an off-brand episode, um, because I got in contact with the creator of Bill Nye, the Science Guy, and just making that connection, I knew I wanted to talk to this guy, I wanted to pick his brain, I wanted to see what had actually gone into this show, and like... I just had so many questions for the creator of Bill Nye the Science Guy. It was a big part of my childhood. Um, so when I met Jim McKenna, um, who is the creator of Bill Nye the Science Guy, I knew I had to have him on the show. So that's what we're doing today. We're talking with him about the show, about his journey. So uh, without further ado, let's just hop right into the interview and welcome Jim onto the show. James, welcome to Young Smart Money today. Um, and, and first up, the first question that I just have to ask you is what is it like to know Bill Nye? I, I got to know. Uh, I've known Bill for years. Uh, he is uh, uh, super smart. The guy is quite uh, uh, and funny uh, and uh, and very creative. Uh, he's very sincere, uh, and uh, he really is enthusiastic about teaching science. And from the moment I met him, he was literally a Boeing uh, engineer. Uh, we were uh, doing a local show here called uh, Almost Live on the NBC affiliate. Uh, you can Google it or YouTube it. Um, actually, I'd suggest you YouTube it. There's some very funny early Bill Nye things before his character was worked out. Uh, uh, <laughs> he was cracking up the troops. My understanding of Bill's story is he was cracking up the troops at Boeing. He was an employee at Boeing. Mm -hmm. uh, he referred to his job as building parts to snuff commies. And uh, and he actually had some pretty – he designed a, a non-tip-over coffee pot for a B-52, if I remember right, a, a landing gear spring for a 747. Uh, he, he really was in the business. He's an engineer uh, by trade, uh, a Cornell graduate, studied under – with wow. Carl Sagan. Uh, the guy knows his stuff in a very broad sense, He's a and, and he's a very big enthusiast on, on teaching science and, and promoting science. So – uh, but he also loved Steve Martin. He was cracking up the trips there, <laughs> cubicles of Boeing doing Steve Martin impersonations. And uh, they said, hey, you're really funny. And there's a Steve Martin comedy competition in Seattle. And you should go down and do this. So he does, and he wins. And uh, they send him, I think, to New York if I, for the finals. And he knows he's not going to win. And he, and, but, but, uh, but he gets the bug, the showbiz bug. Yeah. I guess showing up at clubs around the city with our host, uh, original host, Ross Schaefer, a co-host, uh, John Keister, and uh, I get introduced to him as a, I'm a young producer on this show. He comes in one day, and he's Bill Nye, and he didn't have his character figured out yet. We started playing around with this character called the Y guy. Hmm. Uh, we did a, uh, the very first piece we did with him. Uh, I, it never aired. Uh, it was Why Does Steam Come Out of the Manhole Covers uh, in downtown Seattle? And uh, so every time he pulled the cover off, it'd be a guy taking a shower or, you know, something <laughs> doing laundry, we, these, these jokes. And, and uh uh, one day uh, he has to fill in for a guest that hasn't shown up, and and uh, the host runs in and says, uh, you know, you're going to fill in, Bill, and, and he's like, well, what am what am I going to, you know, well, well, just do that that Bill Nye the Science Guy thing you do, and, <laughs> and uh, that's where his name came from uh, there. And, and, really, uh, I was in, I literally was not in the meeting uh, <laughs> when I when when all of a sudden he's you know he's this uh, Bill Nye the Science Guy and. Uh, but he does this uh, first sketch was uh, not first, but he does a sketch called Fun with Liquid Nitrogen, where he takes bananas and he dips them in liquid nitrogen and they're ham they become hammers instantly. Or you can <laughs> an onion, you put in liquid nitrogen, you can peel an onion, just breaks apart. And uh, very, very successful. And 
we started working together on on other sketches. Uh, people would call and they ask us if they could do these kooky commercials. So we did hmm. uh, crazy commercials for computer stores. We introduced the uh, word wetland, if you can believe this, back in the uh, mid-80s. Uh, really? Everybody knows what a wetland is now, but back in the day, nobody knew that really the term wetland. It was swamps, marshes, and bogs. Hmm. We got hired to use this crazy, kooky guy. I think you can see all these on YouTube. Uh, <laughs> Bill, Nye, Bill Nye Wetlands, and you'll see some of our early work. We did. Uh, we won a gold medal with a, a piece called Fabulous Wetlands. Really? Uh, that was a that was a gold medal at the New York festivals, and uh, we used that as the prototype for the show. Uh, it was about an eight minute sketch. Bill out talking about swamps, and we were like, "Well, if we can do this, if we can talk for eight minutes about swamps, we could probably talk a half hour about swamps, or we could probably talk about half." <laughs> We were always being challenged by people when we when we pitched the original uh, Bill Nye series. Yeah, we got turned down for four years by everybody, and mm -hmm. there's always a reason to say no. That's one of the things yeah. you'll find when you're pitching stuff. There's always a reason to say no. You have yeah. to overcome those reasons, right? And and uh, oh, he's too tall. He's too whatever. You know these kind of things. And uh, uh, one of the complaints was like, well, you, you can't fill a half an hour. You can't. <laughs> you know, you can't do a half an hour. Uh, you know, on volcanoes. Oh, really? You know, <laughs> turns out we had we, we some of our shows in rough cuts. We'd have, they'd be forty five minutes, yeah, to fifty minutes long. We trim these things down to to a half an hour on the top. Wow. So, like, as far as as far as the idea goes, obviously you said you got the name from somebody just like throwing it out there one time. But like, where did the idea come from for you to to approach Bill and to really like pitch him this show? Like, where where'd you get this idea from? Well, we, my uh, wife slash business partner, Aaron Gottlieb, and mm -hmm. myself and Bill were all from this NBC affiliate in Seattle. I, okay. Bill and I have been working on this uh, almost live show. Uh, my wife, Erin, uh, was working on a morning show. Uh, she ends up getting fired one day. They come in, they fire everybody. You, everybody here, you're fired. Get out of <laughs> and, uh, so they, and, I, and she was going to go back to New York to work on the Today Show. And, mm -hmm. and uh, uh, she actually added an interview. And, and uh, I said, well, I've been here 12 years. You want to start a company? And. And we'll do some fun stuff where uh, this VHS revolution is just starting. We, we, we do these uh, VHS things for clients and stuff. Mm -hmm. uh, we kept Bill. We just kept using Bill as his talent. He, mm -hmm. you know, he, uh, for computer commercials or just like I said, these things on swamps or boating yeah. uh, safety. Uh, you know, just uh, people would call and, hey, can you use that science character guy or uh, these kind of things? And so. Uh, and the whole time, our, our one-sentence business plan, you, Mr. Financial Guy, you know you have to have a business plan. Mm -hmm. Ours was so ridiculous. It was to do television for national distribution out of Seattle. Well, when you think of Seattle, that's not uh, it's not Hollywood. It's not yeah. New York. And uh, it was such a stupid idea that we left it at one sentence. It was just an impossible <laughs> idea. But what the heck? We might as well give it a shot here. So the, we would do these projects for clients. Uh, you know, commercials for, you know, uh, a guitar business or whatever it would be. But always in the back of our mind, we wanted to do television series, a half hour network, you know, national, never thinking international back then. Yeah. And, uh, and then it kept evolving, kept just kind of just going, well, we hear on the radio, there'd be these concerns that, you know, all these all American students are falling behind the rest of the world. They don't know math and science. They're falling behind. They're falling, oh, it's horrible. It's, it's and we keep going, well, we've got this science character. Why don't we do something with them? And, and uh, so we started trying to sell uh, a series uh, called Bill Nye the Science Guy. And, wow. <laughs> uh, and, and it took us four years. We pitched for four years. Like I said, everybody turned us down for whatever the reason. And then uh, one day, uh, 
it's a weird story. The FCC uh, held up the licenses of seven TV stations in America. Uh, mm. It's a big TV station. It could be worth a billion dollars. A Chicago TV station could be still worth a billion dollars. Uh, because they have to play quality children's program. At the time, they were saying it was Jetsons and G.I. Joe cartoons were the mm. quality children's program. He <laughs> said, no, that's not going to happen anymore. And you guys really need to play some quality TV program. And it sent a panic out in the industry. Yeah. It was there to say, hey, don't worry, industry. We've got just the thing for you. <laughs> uh, it's a new show we've got going. Uh, we've got that, right? Uh, and and uh, uh, at the same time, Bill sends his tape down to L.A. Uh, they, uh, his, this agent is the, is the son of this guy at Disney who says, we're going to save everybody. And he goes, I wonder if this is what my dad's looking for, this show that he's just saying that we're going to make. And so he takes it down the hall. He gives it to dad, shows it to dad. Dad says, go get those guys. And uh, the next thing we know, there's like a Disney uh, commando unit. There's, they, we still keep connected with some of these people. They are awesome. But they wow. came up, blew us away. Just from that moment on, we're, we're at the PBS affiliate in Seattle. We don't, we're twiddling our thumbs. We're sitting there like, oh, I don't know if this is this real? <laughs> so if this is not real, I'm going to kill you. And uh, we thought it was almost live. The show we all came from, this comedy show, uh, we thought they were playing a joke on us. And uh, all of a sudden, the door burst open. These Disney folk come in. And they, our, our lives changed at that moment. Just boom. And, and the show you know, goes from a, a national production to an international production. Yeah. It just, it just took off. And we were, uh, it, still to this day, we're stunned at the success of that stuff. I would imagine so. I mean, even even today, like that, that showed a huge impact on me. All the people that I talked to about, like everybody knows about Bill Nye. It was like my substitute teachers, like go to thing in school. Like, like it's just so. It's such a like quintessential part of like elementary school and middle school to me that it's it's so it's so cool that it really like took off. And and was that partnership with Disney and, and PBS? Do you think that was the thing that really like pushed it over to become so big? Well, it's funny because, you know, Disney looked at it as, quote, unquote, a qualifier, you know, something to get the, mm. team, the FCC off the station's backs. You know, uh, we always looked at it as like, well, we'd like it to be just, you know, a, a, like a Sesame Street, maybe. Yeah. Something like really could be, cool, you know, ends up on PBS and teach. Uh, and, and it was funny. We pitched people. We, the pilot aired on PBS. Disney saw the pilot. They wanted it to take it and distribute it to the commercial stations. Mm. We called PBS and said, hey, Disney. They said, go with Disney. And we'll, we'll come back next year uh, and, and do a joint production. And that's what they ended up doing. So it became, oh. a, it became the very first television series in, in the history of television uh, to actually be on, on public television mm-hmm. and commercial television at the same time. Wild. Uh, because there was such an emphasis. It was so important to everybody to teach kids science. We needed to get these kids to understand that science is... I was terrified of science. I never took a science class in high school. Really? I was already, I was afraid of science, not even knowing anything about <laughs> right? So I just, I, oh, you must have to take a, a bunch of math or, or, you know, and no, you don't have, you know, no. you don't have to take a bunch of math. You, you know, it turns out science is a blast. I'm actually reading right now, Brief History and Time, uh, Stephen Hawking's favorite, famous book. Uh, yeah. I finally got around to reading the thing. There's very little math in it, <laughs> but it's mind blowing. And, uh, and uh, I, too, was turned on to science by Bill Nye. By doing the series, I, got, I became a, a quite the advocate. So, wow. Yeah. And That's it's so still gratifying to see it on. We get letters all the time from kids. Of, they became doctors. You know, Bill was saying here, we, we had a, a meeting here, a reunion here about a few years back, and he goes, first kid 
that steps on the moon that saw the show. And I was like, wow, Bill, could happen, right? Could, could happen, right? First kid, first, uh, the first kid that steps on the moon that was influenced by the show would be, you know, a dream come true. Wow. I, I bet. And I mean, that show, I mean, it had a big impact on me. I know in person, I'm not a science guy, but um, I know a lot of people who like really got turned on to science from Bill Nye. So that's just, that's such a wild like experience. Hey, even if you're, you're, you're I mean, even if you're doing money and yeah. you're learning percentages, you're doing yeah. science. Too. Yeah. 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 I mean, you know, your math was invented by scientists to explain yep. our world. Right. So, you know, if you're, if you're doing financial Literacy, you're trying to do uh, PE reports and, yep. and or, uh, you know, what, uh, you know, five, how come these guys lost this much money or they're charging it off on this quarter? How much are they charging off this percentage? Holy smokes. That's all <laughs> you know, or, you know, I mean, yeah. So, or if you, if you save at 8%, you can yep. do the math on, you know, uh, you can do using science, you can figure out where you should be in 10, 20 years if you had $100 or these kind of things. So, well, there we go. Guy, but it's everywhere. Oh, yeah, so, <laughs> um, so you don't even know. So. As far as your team goes, um, when you were first building this, you said it was your wife and your business partner now wife, um, and, and Bill. But other than that, was it really just you three that really brought this whole thing to life? We started in a closet at the PBS affiliate here. There was another guy named Simon who's just was awesome. He's the Kiwi. He's actually Rick Steves' producer now. For the middle oh. of Rick Steves, the travel guy, and. Coincidentally, I gave Rick Steves his very first TV appearance back in the day. Uh, <laughs> uh, you know, as a, a young producer on at that station I was talking about earlier. Yeah. But we had uh, we started with the three of us. I, I'll give you a quick story here because you'll love this. All right, uh, we get a kooky letter. Bill hands this thing over to the desk, you know, in front of me like this, and he goes, "Here, maybe you can do something with this." And it's mm -hmm. a weird letter to Bill, and we don't know if this guy is a genius that's written this letter or if that person's insane. <laughs> amazing letter I remember and it was like well if we ever get the series I'll I'll contact this person and see if they want to be an intern on the show we'll have them be an intern at least you know maybe they'll so uh we get the series the pilot you know airs and you know Disney flies up we get this series the very one of the very first calls I make is this kid hey uh would you be interested in his name is Ian Saunders he became an intern on the show he went on to become a researcher he went on to write get some Emmys a couple of wow. Emmys for writing on the show uh, now he's a, an assistant to Bill Gates. Wow. <laughs> Again, that's so gratifying. We've had a lot of these kids. They were, we had kids bicycle out from the East Coast to actually be, on, to be interns on the show. Uh, what? The show, we, uh, it became one of these things where like, you know, people had to come out. And, uh, and uh, <laughs> yeah, they, uh, I I'm, uh, meet this guy at a coffee stand. And then, uh, you know, he's serving me coffee at a drive-thru espresso stand. And then pretty soon, a couple few days later, I see him. He's, my server at a restaurant. <laughs> like what did he say? And then a few days later, he's an intern at the show. <laughs> and he's kind of zeroed in. And he's one of the guys that had bicycled out from the East Coast. And he's like, he zeroed himself in to uh, get to Nye Labs. We, it was this building down in Pioneer uh, Square. But uh, yeah, the word was, you know, we, it was an unmarked building. <laughs> he scoped it out and he found where we were. And that, somehow he got himself in. On, and now he's still, he's in the biz. He still works in the industry. Wow. Know? CBS affiliate here. That's what? I mean, it's the, a the staff throughout as we, you know, the pilot was a very small staff, obviously team. And then, uh, uh, and then hired purpose built. And then, uh, once the series got going, we were ended up, we ended up with about probably about a staff of about 150 when it was from, from, uh, from start to finish from, uh, wow. from pre-production to audio post-production. Uh, 
there would probably about, be about 150 people. That's such an operation. Like I can't even imagine. Like I create video content myself, and just the, the amount of things you could do with 150 people. That's just well, yeah. We and and uh, well, they were all dedicated. Again, it was like Seattle. You know, nobody does TV. Yeah. You know, so, but uh, the audio place was Bad Animals. Uh, they're just this, they all the big bands uh, owned by Anna Nancy Wilson, uh, Pearl Jam, Soundgarden, wow. all the way back to uh, 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 Blackman Turner Overdrive, and uh, uh, have recorded there uh, the uh, Jimi Hendrix. Uh, so we did our audio there. They uh, we did our post production uh, at another place in town here. Uh, in a couple of different post production places. What's really funny is our, we were when it comes to television budgets. I know they're smaller these days. Yeah, uh, ours is still was considered a pretty small budget at the time. Uh, I can give you a comparison. We were about a hundred, a little under two hundred thousand an episode, I think. There and I remember they were doing Northern Exposure here in Seattle at the same time, and I think that was a million and a half dollars per episode they were an hour on you know on uh you know but that we're talking apples and platinum here yeah uh, so yeah it's it's all relative again it seems like our budget was a big budget show we were trying to match somewhere around peewee's playhouse budget but we didn't i think you're about half of what peewee's playhouse budget was i don't know what beacons was for example but uh, we we try to give a, we try to put as much as we could on the screen to make it a compelling show. Yeah, it worked. Yeah. So between pitching for four years and and having not as big of a budget as some of these other shows, what were some of your biggest challenges as you were bringing this thing to life and really trying to to get it in front of as many people as possible? Well, that was probably one of the biggest challenges. I we fly down there. I remember the very first pitch. My wife and I are so poor. Uh, we get a call from a friend of ours. She's, uh, she invites us to a, a network executive's cocktail party, uh, uh, Brandon Tartikoff's uh, cocktail party for his new rollout at MTM Productions. We want to come to the party out in LA. It was like, we'll be right down. And, uh, we're gonna, and we're gonna pitch this series while we're down there, okay? So, uh, but we're so poor that we have to drive down. My, uh, wife slash business partner is not in a relationship, but we have to, uh, we drive down. We have to, sh- uh, we're so poor, we have to share a motel room. That was a little awkward. We drive down to LA, go to the cocktail party. The next day, uh, we we can't afford a cell phone, of course, at the time. They're still expensive. Oh man! We're standing in front of the Circle K with the phone, you know, at the, at the phone booth there, yep. we're making calls to all these uh, studios, and and we would say, hey, we're a couple of hayseeds from Seattle. Uh, we've got this show idea. Would you guys mind uh, if we came in and make a presentation? Mm-hmm. And uh, Seattle was just starting to kind of get a little had the Pearl Jam stop, the, the grunge movement was starting to come out of here. And, and like mm-hmm. I said, the Northern Exposure uh, uh, was being done here. So there was this uh, Twin Peaks. There was kind of this cachet with mm. the Northwest, the people, the LA were intrigued. So we got in, nobody turned us down. We got in, we made all these pitches, but they were some of the most strange, crazy pitches, the classic Hollywood pitches. Uh, I've got, like I said, the rejection file that it's about that thick. Oh my uh, gosh. Uh, uh, just some of the strangest things, but it was quite, you know, every pitch you make, uh, again, from a financial perspective, if you're, it, it's the same thing. If you're going to go pitch your business, okay, so you're going to get rejected. Be, be prepared to be rejected. Learn from being rejected. Put that into your plan for next time. You know, they're going to, people are going to spot weaknesses in your proposal. How come you guys don't have this? Or why isn't this there? Or mm-hmm. these kind of things, right? You know? Uh, some of them you have to just ignore. I mean, you know, we were dealing with a uh, with a, a tall, uh, you know, uh, guy. Uh, they wanted uh, 
multi-ethnic. They want a cartoon. We didn't want to do a cartoon. Mm. Right? You know, uh, these these kind of arguments. So we okay. Well, some of me, some of me, these suggestions you you take, and some of them you don't. But yeah. you you craft your pitch. You get better and better. Uh, and then and and then again, the key thing is that serendipitous moment where uh, you know Bill just happens to send this tape. You have to be ready to be nabbed by. You have to be ready. If you're that little fish, you have to be ready to be caught. You know, yeah. So, if you will, too. Yeah. Prepare yourself to, to be ready to make that deal. So, exactly. Uh, Keeping your eye open for those opportunities because if you're not looking for them, they might just pass you right by and you wouldn't even be ready for it. So, what's so funny is we didn't even pitch Disney originally. That's We ruled them out in the original round of pitching because, wow, this doesn't meet their sensibility. Really? Uh, they, they never want the thing. And then, <laughs> you know, so we pitched everybody else but Disney. And then here, you know, lo and behold, there they're the ones that come in the door. Uh, but but we were prepared. So when they came in the door, we were ready to, okay, we can, we, and, and I remember we were prepared at X, you know, whatever the amount was. And they came in here. We did, <laughs> we did one of these things. I don't think we ever really came together, but we, we went out and, um, and you know, we got it done. That's the number wow. one thing is you, yep. once making it happen, once that, as Bill used to say, once that sled's on the hill, you're going to ride it and, yep. and ride it as best you can. You do, do your best job of writing that thing, do your best work. So that's what we did. We had, we knew all of us, all the kids, everybody showed up. We knew we had an opportunity. So we weren't mm. going to blow it. Yeah. All right. So you said that you had um, like 200 grand going into each episode, 150 people. What is that? What is the like production process look like? What are those people doing? What is that money going towards? And like, what's the timeline of an episode of, of TV? Like, I, oh, I, I don't know yeah. much about this and I'm sure our listeners aren't super familiar either. So could you just fill us in with like what the logistics behind that actually looked like? At those, you know, at, and again, we were a lower level national sure, production sure. show, but they're, you know, bigger. I remember reading back in the day, I, I'm sure it's a little bit different now, but you know, you have to, it takes a long time. I mean, you yeah. know, there's pre-production, there's research, uh, you know, six months is a very short, I remember reading back in the day, that would be one of the quickest turnarounds for a television from pitch to, to on air six months, that would be the fastest. So sometimes. Wow. I remember PBS, they were two years. Now it's three years for shows, uh, oh they, they tell us. Uh, it just takes that long. We wrote a book here recently uh, for a, a publisher. Uh, here, I'll do a shameless plug. For sure, we for sure. We did this financial book here, speaking of financial literacy, and uh, how to, uh, with Workman Publishing. Mm. It took four years. We were, we've never done a book before. We couldn't understand why it takes four years. Now yeah. that we've done one, we understand why it takes four years. <laughs> Uh, for television production, I, it just, I might be a little off, but I mean, okay, so there's idea. We've got this idea. Okay, well, now we have to substantiate the idea. Uh, it could be very simple. I remember one time hearing MTV Cops was a, yeah. written on a napkin. That's pitched, and, and that's the six-month one I'm describing. Otherwise, you know, okay, well, for us, it was each episode, uh, what's, the, what's the show about? What would be compelling? Mm. Uh, okay, what – this is before the internet. We had to do all this research. So yeah. We'd send these researchers to the library on this small team of researchers. They come back with these uh, research packets, sometimes better than the scripts. Uh, <laughs> but then the writers, these, they would make a presentation to the writers. Today's story, this shows on volcanoes. And we would shoot four shows at a time. We would kind of shoot, mm. shoot uh, volcanoes, walks. That, you know, if we traveled, we would try and catch uh, – topics for three or four different shows at, a, at the same time while sure. we're on the road, for example. So, uh, but let's say we're doing something on volcanoes. So these researchers are coming with these packets of volcanoes. They're presented to the writers. The writers all sit around, okay, now what do we do? 
uh, okay, well, we'll do a sketch on uh, 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 Jimmy eat your crust or uh, uh, Jimmy eat your crust, and they some you know about Earth's crust, or uh, we'll send Bill into a, a volcano uh, at Mount St. Helens, or we'll do a liquid nitrogen, or you know what, uh, we'll do a little uh, display on the stage. All that has to be then planned, production yeah. plan, uh, scheduled, uh, lock lit, sound cru- crews are hired, it's shot. Somebody has to manage that media. Then the media, so there's assistant, there's interns to assistant editors, and then assistant editors that are doing string outs of you know chunks of the shows. Uh, they'll they'll maybe be in charge of from here to here, or maybe there other shows. Maybe they're in charge of doing the B roll at from some town. Wow. The editor that is stringing the stuff together. So in our series, we we shoot the shows. Let's say over the course of maybe three to four weeks, these chunks they'd be edited. We give the editors three weeks for every episode. So the last week, they're pretty getting pretty close to like locking down. Uh, we get by that Wednesday of that last week trying to lock the show to, t- to time. Uh, so we'd be, you know, let's say the show would be, I always like them long. I know that Lauren Michaels does his show for Saturday Night Live. They're yep. always waiting long on the rehearsals. Yep. Trim down, keep your best material. That's very standard in, in the business. All right. uh, so you, uh, we trim it down to just, you know, PBS length. Uh, and then on that Friday, okay, the show's locked. Then it goes to post-production, uh, color correct, where it's color corrected, all the graphics would oh, go in. Uh, we ended up, and then it, from there we'd go to, and that would be a week, and then uh, it would go to another week of sound post-production where they put in all the wacky, crazy sounds, which were very revolutionary at the time. You hear them all the time. Yep. You hear them all the time now, but I mean, at the time, that was pretty cutting edge to put in all that, all those sound effects. And so that's kind of the, and then the show would be, then we would have to do eight different, I believe, eight different versions of the show, textless versions, foreign language versions, no language versions, not, uh, all H, A, B, C, D, E, F, G, H, H, G, yeah, H versions, if I remember right. That, oh, my. Uh, so, uh, uh, and uh, so the, for various distribution channels and, and uh, these, if it could be, uh, yeah, sent to China or, or these kind of things. So wow. it got to be, and that's, and again, we're a small show. We were a yeah. Even our biscuit show is nothing compared to a big network show. Uh, uh, you know, uh, uh, what would be a big one right now? Uh, uh, Game of Thrones, for example. That, yeah. Those productions, move motion pictures. These three hundred million yeah. dollar motion pictures. Uh, those things they have. Uh, you look at, watch the credits at the back of those things. Oh man. And what's really funny is that's not everybody. A lot of those people, those are the leads, and then <laughs> and the uh, you know, usually they try and list everybody, but a lot of times they so. It, it's I guess, still a big business. It's still uh, it's still fun, but the best thing is that you can people like yourself can do very small level productions that are just as compelling. And, and for me, some of the most exciting stuff I see is done by high schoolers. We do a lot of these things on our biscuit show. Yeah, uh, like high schoolers like yourself, they've got a podcast or they've got some something online they're doing. A zillion followers. They're making great money. We, there's a girl we did in Florida here just a couple of years back. She's making really good money. Uh, doing fashion streaming, you know, shows on fashion mm. online, and yep. uh, uh, and you know, there's simple shows from her living room or yeah, or, and and, uh, and huge following. So and there's and that's so problem. much. And you see, that's the problem with nobody's watching network. Yeah, you know, nobody. But you know, the numbers for the, the the industry itself has broadened out. People are looking at screens, but they're yep. looking at zillions of different shows and presentations. Exactly. It's just getting so much more democratized instead of having these big pillar um, organizations. It's so much more spread out into the people who are actually creating the content on such a smaller scale. 
Well, um, I'll tell you now. I mean, yeah. Apple. If you would, you know, back in the seventies, if you come to some uh, uh, somebody and and said, "I'm 19 years old. I want to do a show about money and finance," <laughs> uh, I, I can tell you the story because I tried doing this, and I. <laughs> There's this gatekeeper. There, you know, that was the problem. Yeah. And they pat you on the head and they go, "Hey, that's a nice idea, Apple. Why don't you go back to, you know, doing what, yep. we're, you know, what you're supposed to do?" That person's gone now, which is fantastic. Mm-hmm. So people like yourself, and and as you say, the debate, you'll know if you're successful or not. Exactly, the market will decide. Like the market will just tell you if what you're doing is valuable or not. Yeah, fantastic. Um, I love it. So. Yeah. So you mentioned Biz Kids, and I want to get into that a bit. That's that's a newer project. Um, so could you give our audience just a brief overview of what that project's all about? We were approached uh, uh, here a few years ago by America's Credit Unions, and mm-hmm. uh, they asked us if we uh, could do for money. That there is no money in finance series. Uh, yeah. Like Bill the Science Guy turns out, and they wanted to basically own the financial literacy initiative, teaching mm-hmm. kids in America about money and finance, and, uh, and can we do something similar to the Bill Nye series? And so we uh, created a series called Biz Kids. Mm-hmm. Uh, there, and uh, it's funny, I, I, I had a, even during the Nye days, I'd been trying to come up with a financial literacy show I'd been interested really? in personally for years. My dad used to subscribe to the Wall Street Journal. I'd, I'd read it as a young, very young kid. And mm-hmm. I remember, as I said, Apple, I pitched my peers at the NBC affiliate a financial literacy show called yeah. Moneyline. And yeah. uh, uh, I had a three-page proposal, and I uh, pitched this idea because I was like, well, if I'm interested in money and finance, maybe others might yeah. be too. Like I said, they patted me on the head <laughs> and told me to get back to be a stage manager, okay? so uh, But I always kept that idea around, and uh, even when, when we were doing the Nye series, I, I started playing around with a, a concept called financial genius. Hmm. And uh, what are you, some sort of financial genius? Well, he is, he's a leader. <laughs> and uh, at the same, but, but my show, I have to admit, was lifeless. I couldn't get any life to this. Mm. And uh, I get to about episode six of writing this thing, and I go, boy, this sucks. <laughs> this is not good. And, and uh, one day we meet a Canadian woman, uh, Janine Glista. She has an idea for a, a show called Biz Kids. And uh, she was inspired by the Nye series. Uh, she wants to meet these, these producers. And uh, she came in with a presentation. It was it was more stories on entrepreneurs like yourself mm. that have a small that have these businesses. And at that moment, the light bulb went off, and it was like, "Well, hey, let's combine the two ideas. We'll teach how to do percentages, or we'll teach yeah. about a, how to open a bank account. But then we'll have these stories about people that they opened a bank account and they saved up a million dollars, or they yeah. opened, or you know, they, or they start, or so we we added." We do about five stories per episode wow. on kids that range from, you know, six to maybe 26 is the, we say kids, but you know, on the, on the outside yeah. there, the sweet spots about your age, 17 to 19 year olds that are mm-hmm. starting their own businesses. Yeah. Some of these kids have gone on, uh, I'm in the wrong business. They've made way <laughs> more money than me. Uh, uh, Snapcap kids. Are you familiar with Snapcaps? These, they're pop bottles with a picture on this side and, a magnet on this side. I think wow. they sold six million dollars or something like that. Uh, uh, Wild. Moe's Bose. He's a kid in Chicago. He made a, a tie for Obama. He, he makes these really nice ties. Hmm. Uh, he was also on Shark Tank here recently, made a zillion, making a zillion dollars. Uh, this girl I mentioned, I think, earlier down in Florida. Uh, those are three examples. We probably have two or three hundred examples of these Jeez. kids that are uh, from lemonade stands, dog walkers, babysitting. 
uh, car repair. Uh, uh, some of these kids come up with some of these businesses. Uh, you know, old guys like me, I would never even think of. Uh, wow. And uh, and we cover both sides. Some of them do successful. We had some guys that were stock uh, investors right before 08. And, mm. uh, you know, they collapsed right in 08 there. We covered, so we'll cover some of the failures too, so people mm -hmm. can learn from these Yeah. But, but the idea, again, is we take these simple financial concepts. It's an idea like, well, just like Bill Nye the Science Guy, it's a kid's show. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's not, you know, I mean, it's a, it's simple financial stuff. And if a kid can figure this stuff out, if a kid could be successful, mm -hmm. then and we've had many letters. We got uh, very early on, we got a letter. I remember from a mom that broke, uh, somewhere in the Southeast, uh, life is not good. They watch a series. They watch a couple of shows. The kids get inspired to start a business pretty soon. They're, they're financially stable. Uh, wow. The letter was thanking us for inspiring these kids to start a business. I don't remember what their businesses were. You know, simple lemonade stands or something. Yeah. Sometimes you could buy water at Costco for what you know a, a couple of dollars, and they would sell them at a festival, and they'd make exactly two dollars each or something like that. And all of a sudden, they've got some cash. Uh, these kind of that's what we try to inspire: just kids to go out. You, uh, you know, you hear, well, I can't do it. <laughs> I don't know what to, how to do it. This is like, well, there's some examples of other kids just like you. That, that yeah. You know, so that's, that's where that shows. That's so cool. 70, 70 something episodes of, of that. Of wow. Wow. They're online and on, uh, and on PBS also. Uh, you sit, similar model to the Bill Nye, we, we get played in the classroom. Uh, nice. A lot of schools don't offer financial literacy nope. classes anymore, Very which true. is really too bad because it's, if you think about it, it's, it is reading, writing, and arithmetic. It is the yeah. three R's. You have to learn how to, to write to be in business. You have to be financially literate. You have to do math. You have to, you know, uh, anyway. So it's, uh, Yeah, no, it's just applying all of the skills that we learn in school to something that's actually going to be applicable for yeah. our real lives. So it's a pretty radical idea. Um, but, yeah, it's, it's a shame. It's, it's really a shame that that's not something that's emphasized in schools. One of the things that we find, let me ask you this. Do you have a credit card, Apple? Do, do I have a what? A credit card. Oh, absolutely. Do you have any debt? Yeah. Do I have any debt? I have student loan debt. Are you, are you on top of it? Uh, I'm not, I don't carry a balance on my credit cards, no. Never uh, would do that. Card. Never paid a cent of interest. Uh, we have constantly are running into these kids that would get into, uh, you know, $30,000 of credit card. Fifteen dollars to $30,000. These credit cards show up, hey, it's cash. You know, these kind of things. And, and they don't know because they... They've never been taught anything in class or anything about any of this stuff. And so you get a credit card and the commercials look, hey, it's look how easy it is. <laughs> you can do anything with this credit card. Yep. Yes, but you have to pay for it. That that's the part that kind of like is not taught. All of a sudden this bill shows up and it can be overwhelming for these for some of these people. Student debt's the other one that you guys are, you know, unfortunately, uh, you know, that's and we've been doing a couple we actually did an episode here recently called to college or not to college mm. because so many kids feel that they just have to go to college that's their only option oh high school i gotta go to college i don't know yep. what i'm gonna do i have no clue what i'm gonna do <laughs> but i'm gonna go to college okay yeah and uh, uh we here now we did something with the guys from this old house we did something from the deadliest catch the guys from deadliest catch, yeah wow creator of that he, they they come micro uh we did a, they appeared in the episode because there's so many kids needed in the trades to be carpenters, pipe fitters, plumbers, electricians, underwater, deep sea welders. These jobs, they pay huge amounts of money. Yeah. They can't find them. And, and you start, 
we, you start off with no debt. There's no debt. You go into you go into one of these things. But yeah. a lot of people look down on the trades. They think they've got to go to college. They pick up a hundred thousand dollars of debt uh, and land themselves a forty thousand dollar a year job. Yeah, and it doesn't. The math doesn't work out, right? That's you know. Not. So it's we, we've been. It's unfortunate. I mean, we're not saying don't go to college, but no. it might not be for everybody. Have that self awareness. Ways to not pick up so much debt. Exactly. You got you to look at your options, and that's something that not a lot of people do. People see this like traditional path that they think they have to go down, and, and there's just so yeah. many more options that are available to you. And that's really what I'm trying to provide with, with this podcast, with my YouTube videos, um, and with everything that I put out. So um, real quick before we go, where can people find out more about you or about BizKids? Where should I send our listeners to, to get some cool resources? Uh, BizKids.com I think would probably be uh, the best uh, connection. Uh, there's Nylabs for Bill uh, if you want to. Uh, check out Bill. Uh, and again, like I said, if you want to check out some of the early funny stuff pre uh, pre Bill Minus Science Guy, go to uh, YouTube and check and check out Almost Live. There's some pretty funny comedy bits uh, from back in the day there. I think I'll be sure to uh, find some of those clips and link them up in the show notes as well, just to get you guys some some access to some of these. Uh, back to the day episodes. Um, well, thank you so much again for being on the show today, Jim. I appreciate your time. Um, and I'm glad you got to spend it here with our listeners. I'm sure you provided some serious value and, uh, I hope our listeners get a ton out of this conversation. Well, thanks for having me on. Jim, thank you so much again for your time and for your story. It was really beneficial for me. I mean, I, I had no idea what went into a TV show and me on this small scale YouTube production. Um, it's really it's really a, a, a stretch to, to imagine what that would look like with 150 people and over $200,000 going into each episode. That just seems bananas to me. But thanks again for sharing your time with us today. If you guys enjoyed this show, if you remember Bill Nye the Science Guy, if that is what your substitute teachers used to throw on as well, definitely leave us a five-star review on this podcast. I would love to hear from you guys. Hear your Bill and I, the Science Guy stories. You can also feel free to DM me those at Apple Crater Official. I always look forward to hearing from y'all. And we are pushing for 50 reviews by the end of the year. So if you guys do have two minutes to leave us a five-star review on iTunes, that would mean so much to me. I'm really trying to help more people get exposed to the podcast. So that would really mean a lot to me. If you could leave us a review, share us with a friend, that would be awesome. Anyways, my name has been Apple Crater, and I will see you guys on Friday.